tonight on Straight Talking. He was like a pop star and I'm screaming like a baby and all the lads are laughing on the other side. And at the time they, they basically destroyed, destroyed Gaza. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Straight Talking with Carlton and Paddy podcast. We just want to start by saying a massive thank you to everybody who supported us after last week's pilot episode by liking, commenting, following us on social media. We really, really appreciate it. Tonight is an international special and we're filming this just before England kick off. So we'll try and keep up with how things are going. And joining us tonight is uh, my co-host who was unable to uh, be on the episode last week, unfortunately, but it's, uh, he's a lifelong Berry fan and he's a member of the board. That's Gareth. And also we're welcoming back Carlton Palmer. Uh, unfortunately, Paddy can't be with us this week because he's, uh, he's not feeling very well, but we're going to crack on anyway. So, hi guys, how are we doing? You had a good week? Well, well, that's Paddy turning up last week when it was minus seven in a t-shirt, isn't it? He thought he was coming from sunny Rotherham. <laughs> and now he's ill. Yeah, we've warmed up a little bit this week though. We've got the uh, the heating on, so we're, uh, we're feeling it's a bit more comfortable. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> It is a big old room and we're here at the uh, the wonderful Amiga at Abbeydale again so uh, big thanks to them for for letting us come and film. So what have you been up to this week then guys? Um, this week well, well I'm off to Kuala Lumpur and Singapore on Thursday so I've been trying to I'm away for three weeks so I'm just trying to get everything sorted so I had my daughter up my granddaughter because she's going to be nine on December the 1st, so I'm going to be away for that, then I'm away for my birthday, so I've tried to cram everything in, been down to Birmingham to see my dad who's got dementia, literally just got back now, so yeah, all good, all good. Okay. Yeah. Did, you watch the, uh, did you watch England then? Yes, I the did, weekend? yes, I did. What were your thoughts on, uh, on, the, on the Malta game? Well, they're difficult games, those games, aren't they? Everybody thinks, oh, well, you're going to smash them six or seven, and that, that's where the problem comes in, expectations. Um, you know, it, it doesn't happen like that in, in, in international football now. Most countries, the players play apply their trade at top clubs in Europe. You know, you've seen that with Ghana now, you've seen it with, you know, the African countries as well. The, the players are top players, so... The assumption is you're going to roll everybody over who's not a big name five or six nil just doesn't happen uh, and you have games like that so it's you know the performance is always important in, in terms of wanting you know when you want to win a tournament but the bottom line is the result yeah and you think it was a bit of a no-win game though because it can you know we're already qualified so it didn't matter that much the result did it and the expectation was that we'd go out and give them a you know a walloping and then we kind of creep over the line with a 2-0 win it, it, it's well, I wouldn't a bit say, of a... I wouldn't say we crept over the line I think we dominated the game without playing particularly well there, there, was, there was never in, I mean they had a chance didn't they early on uh, I think was that was that in the first five minutes mm. when they could have scored but you know I, I think England dominated the game without without having to get out of second gear, really. The result was never in doubt. So, you know, obviously the performance wasn't uh, what probably Gareth would have liked. And it's difficult for the supporters because you want to see him play a certain style. But, you know, I think you also get caught up with the opposition as well, don't you? Well, would you have mixed it up? Would you have maybe tried out a few different players in that game? 
just to sort of see how they get on, test, test them out? Not really, no. Not really, no. I think it's got to that point now whereby um, Gareth knows pretty much what his squad's going to be for the Euros. You know, you might have the odd person who might gate crush it, but I think he knows what his squad's going to be for the Euros. So why, you know, England have a very, very... I mean, Gareth could pick, I think, easily off the top of his head, 35, 36 players. So why... Why start experimenting now? He's, he's mixed it up a bit tonight. He's got Rico Lewis in the squad. Ollie Watkins up front. So I think he's obviously looking at trying people in a few different places. Yeah, but Ollie, Ollie Watkins has played a few games recently, mm. hasn't he? And should be. Banging form, you know, since last Christmas. He's been banging form. And I think it, it gives a, it, it gives us an alternative to... I mean, he, he runs the line well. He, he works really hard for the team, so it gives uh, um, you know Gareth an option with mm -hmm. with, uh, with Harry dropping deep, you know in that number ten role, you know and Harry has that ability to knock that ball 50, 60 yards, and, and Watkins has proved this season that he's, he's he's not only banging in the goals but he's holding the ball up very very well. He's banging form, so deserves you know he deserves to be playing. Yeah. What about Rico Lewis? And he's a he's a talent, isn't he? At his age and playing playing for City. But I guess is it is it going to be a different experience for him playing for England? He's talented. The boy can play, so it's not a problem. You know, you, you look at players like that, and he's destined to play. You know, I think he'll, he'll play 80, 90 times for England. Do you know what I mean? So this 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 won't be a problem. It won't phase him. He stepped into the City side, and it's not a problem. It's not a problem for him, and the way City played is the way that Gareth wants to play. So, in terms of getting on the ball and passing and moving, he's got all that in his locker. Mm. Um, you know, I'm pleased with it. Pleased. Well, what do you think about? I mean, he sometimes criticised Gareth Southgate for for picking players based on you know past performances rather than current form. You know, he, he stuck with Pickford. He stuck with Harry Maguire through a tough spell. Jordan Henderson. Now he's moved abroad would you would you sort of agree with his thought process on that it, it's a difficult one it's a difficult one if you ask me a question have i ever been picked for england when i haven't played well and the answer is yes you know managers know what you've done for them mm -hmm. in the past so there has to be a bit of loyalty um so you know i think it's been very difficult for for harry Maguire. um and I think that the manager felt out of loyalty and out of his performances for England that he should he should help him out in this situation. Yeah. I admire him for doing that. I mean, Harry Maguire, you do not get picked in the team of the tournament in the Euros and the World Cup if you're if you're a bad player. You, it, ju it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Harry, I think, was unfortunate that he went for ninety million. Yeah. If he'd have gone for forty-five million, nobody would have been saying anything, right? Um, I think he's he's shown great attitude, and I think the manager has stuck by him. But he's got to be careful because, like, if you're looking at Phillips now, in uh, Phillips, he's, he's not playing, he's not getting games, and if he's not getting games, then you, you're taking a risk taking that player to tournament, especially when we've got so many players who are playing well. Yeah. Even though you have that loyalty towards them and they have done well for England, you're going to come a cropper with it at some point. You're going to. Phillips has barely played any games, though, it's, has he? It's, if you look not. at his record over the last three years, the game time well, is his, very low. Over his career, it's poor. His career is poor. And I think that's why he went to Man City. 
I think he went to Man City knowing, knowing he wasn't going to get a lot of game time, financially could secure himself. And that's it. I think we'll, we'll see. I'd like to think that, that Phillips will go to uh, Guardiola in the January transfer window and say, I've got to get out and no, I've got to go and play. There's no point in me staying here. Because he's, he's wasting time in his career. He's wasting time. I never thought he was going to play when he went to City. Um, he, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure his advisors had said to him, right, listen, you know, you can go and, and make yourself financially secure and then we'll move you on again. Um, you, you know, as a footballer, it is a short career and the one thing you don't want to do is be sitting there when you get to 35 and think, right, I've wasted three or four years of my life. If you're good enough, you earn your money. But then, and money's one thing, but then you don't, do you not want to look back on your career and think, this is what I won, this is what I achieved. So the the money, you know, he's going to get big money wherever he goes in reality compared to, you know, your everyday person. Calvin Phillips could probably pick a club aside from City, go in, get some good money. But surely to be playing week in, and out, week, in week out and then say to your kids when you're growing up, like, I won the Prem three times, I was a top player, 35 appearances every season. Do, for me, that would mean well, more I, I would, to me. I, I would never, I would never, I would never go to a club for money, and I never have done. Never chosen a club for money. I've chosen it because I went. I, I don't. I don't disagree with going to a club if you genuinely think you're going to play. Yeah. I went to Leeds United. They had a midfield. They just won the league title. They had a midfield of of, of Gary Speed, Gary Sol, uh, Gordon Strachan, Dave Batty, and Gary McAllister. So, all internationals. But oh, I back. Yeah. I back myself. To get in the team, I back myself whether it's at centre back or midfield. I back myself to get in the team. I would never promise me that I would be playing in the first team, but I back myself. If I went there and I je- and I'd give it everything and I wasn't get- going getting in the team, I would have left. I would have left. So this is his time now. He's a- he's had a lot of time injured at Man City. He's fit now. He's not going to play a lot of football at City. So if he genuinely wants to be involved in the Euros, you would think that he's going, to have to, um, he's going to have to go in the January transfer window, whether it's on loan or on a permanent move. Who do you think could come in for him then? I think, a lot, of clubs would, I think a lot of clubs would take him. I'm a big admirer of him. Yeah. I'm a big admirer of him. He just doesn't play <clears throat> enough football for me. But, you know, maybe a West Ham. Mm-hmm. Maybe a West mm-hmm. Ham uh, type of team will take him. I mean, I think, you know, he's not going to end up with... I don't think, you know, the likes of Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal... Are going to go for that type, uh, that type of player. I really don't think, but um, I could maybe see a Spurs have a little nibble for him, you know. Particularly with the uh, the injury worries, particularly got, with yeah. the, it, yeah. the injuries they've got. I mean, they've just been linked with uh, uh, Jude Bellingham, uh, um, sorry, Jovi, yeah, uh, at Sunderland. So they're looking for somebody to bring in in the January transfer window. So it could be somebody like Calvin. Bit left field, uh, Barcelona of Javi got in, or Pedro Gavi got injured last night. They might want a lone midfielder. Maybe might just fit the bill. Might, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, but he needs to go. Yeah. Whatever happens, he needs to go and play football and further his career. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's what that's what you need and to what, do. Why do you think Harry Maguire's stuck it out at Man United then, where he's just getting? Constant. Every time something goes wrong, it's almost like it's his fault. He's getting constant criticism. You know, the the press, social media, everybody's on him. But he's he didn't move. And they're on well, about they're on about now 
buying another centre-back in the January transfer window. I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. From the day the manager played Luke Shaw at centre-back ahead of me, I've gone. I've gone. I'm not bothered about the money. I've gone. Right? So, I mean, he's playing at the moment in the team he's got in. And by the way, let's get, let's get this right. I watched him against Fulham and he was their best player. He's, he's been playing well. If he, if he doesn't, and that shows the strength of character uh, and the mindset he's got. He was there, but he, he, he was Man United's best player. They don't win that game if he doesn't play. Um, so I kind of, I wonder if it's kind of like a two fingers up to the manager, two fingers up to everybody else and saying, well, I'm not going to be forced out here. I'm going to bide my time. We've got a lot of games this season. And when I get in there, I'm going to show that I'm, I'm, I am a good defender, which he is a good mm -hmm. defender. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's top draw. I don't think he's really top draw. And that's really where the problem comes in with the 90 million. But he certainly never let England down. And I think he's, 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 just, he's the best central defender they've got at Manchester United. Yeah. And he's proving that now. Well, how many, how many world-class players have England got, then, in your view? I'd say the right-back's world-class. Um, I would say Harry Kane's world-class. Yeah. I would say uh, Bellingham's world-class. I would say we've got a lot of players who are on the fringe mm -hmm. of world-class. Do you know what I mean? I think Rashford on his day when he's fit. Um, you know, Madison at the moment, he's been, uh, he was playing out his skin, wasn't he? Yeah. Before, you can't argue. If you're going to say he was one of the best players in the Premiership, then you've got to put him in that kind of, you know, but you've got to be careful with world-class because you've got to be doing that at that level. You know, when you're talking world-class, I'm talking about your, your Beckhams and your Ronaldos and your Messis. There ain't too many that you can put in that bracket, you know? No. And there's not many teams who have too many world-class players in their sides. There's not too many, but we're blessed. Uh, you know, you mentioned Pickford. I think he's never done anything wrong for England. Um, last season on club form, I think Ramsdale should have been in yeah. all day long. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe what's happened to, to Ramsdale this season. I mean, what the club have done to him. I mean, I think they've lost the player. They've got to have lost the player because Rave's come in now. I think, you know, you, what what more can you have done last season as a football player to be the number one at your club? How would you have felt with it, your dad had gone on social media? I, I'd, listen, his dad knows that he can't say anything, so it wouldn't. It, his dad's bang on right. His dad's bang on right. Why, it, why get Aaron to sign a new contract when you're going to go and sign another goalkeeper? It'll be interesting when it comes to the January transfer window. Because if I was Ramsdale, he's got to worry about his England place. Yeah. Right? So he's got to go to Arteta and say, right, listen, if you're not going to play me, and by the way, there'll be no shortage of takers. Mm -hmm. He's a fantastic goalkeeper. See, like, I, I, I get that they want goalkeepers to play with the football, but for me, it's basics. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Save the ball. Oh, he got him so many points last oh, season well, with unbelievable saves. Well, well I, I believe... I believe uh, at Newcastle they get a draw, yeah, and that's two point. You know, yeah, he didn't do any, he didn't do anything wrong in my opinion. Anything. I don't understand why they've suddenly stopped and, and done what they've done. It no, doesn't it was an make op sense. Opportunity to get another good goalkeeper on board. They're looking at what cost them the league title last year. They didn't have another centre back to replace. Mm -hmm. uh, your man who got injured. Yeah. They didn't have another striker. See, they'll go again in the transfer window. I think from all the rumours that go in, they're going to get the boy from Brentford, Tony. Yeah. Um, so he's trying to get a squad 
similar to Man City where they've got two players for every position, but they haven't got two world-class players for every position. Even City don't have two world-class players. That's well, what I'm saying. Keepers of that level, do you? You generally no. have your, your top keeper and then your backup keeper is a solid, won't and, let you down, but... And Scott you, Carson. Yeah. Yeah, and you, won't, and, yeah. You, <laughs> and, you won't, and you don't rotate your goalkeepers. No. Never do. Never no. do. So what do you think in terms of what is success then for this for next year for the for the Euros then? Listen, until you, you everybody thinks right. I've heard all this talk about right. If Gareth Southgate doesn't win the Euros, right, he should be sacked. Well, hang on a minute. Let's go to the World Cup. Brazil were fancied to win the World Cup. Should the manager be sacked because they didn't win the World Cup? You're talking about top nations here, so. You know, you, you, you've not got a God-given guarantee to win a World Cup or a European Championship. I think the thing for Gareth, which I think people are not really being fair to him, is the Euros. Uh, we, everybody kind of believes we should have won the Euros. I'm in that same camp. But that was Gareth's... He's young in the job. Yeah. So... You, you, you don't have the experience to know, like in his mind, he's thinking, right, we'll get this to extra time and penalties and whatever. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now, I, I, I honestly believe if you sat down with Gareth Southgate and he was in the position he's, he's, he's in now and he could look at the bench with the players he's gone, he would have gone for it. 100%. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. He's got, he's got the squad playing for him, hasn't he? And the, the, it seems like they've got a really good camaraderie. Like yeah. they, they all seem to to gel. And yeah. that, that's the first time in my in my life watching football that I think we've consistently had that. Yeah, no, consistently. Consistently. And he's done that. He's, he's given uh, the young players opportunities, which I've really liked. I mean, the game's about opinions and everybody should have opinion. I don't agree with everything Gareth does or says. You know, um, I think at the t he's, he's, it's like a bit like with what's going on with Raheem Sterling now. Raheem Sterling was his go-to all the time, isn't, isn't there? And then all of a sudden, Raheem's not in the squad and Raheem's playing very, very yeah. well at Chelsea. But I wonder if that's a bit of him going home from the World Cup for that, you know, for that game. Because he went home. Um, what was that about? Why did he? I don't well, actually no, know why so, he went So he'd moved to Chelsea... And he hadn't um, got the, they, they just moved into the new house and he hadn't got the alarm system up and running. Um, so they broke him while his, 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 his wife and kids were in the house. So he felt, you know, he, even though everybody was all right, he felt he needed to go home. Um, and I, I wonder if Gareth's taken inference with that because it doesn't make sense. He's always been his go-to. He could have left him out before when he, he wasn't playing well. And now he's playing well. I think he's playing as well as he's ever played. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he can't get inside. Or he can't get in the squad. Mm -hmm. Which is one of those players that I would have in the squad. Maybe, uh, maybe not in your starting lineup now, right? But you'd still have him in your squad. Definitely. Nobody can say anything. It's a resource-based industry and he's getting results. Mm -hmm. Apart from winning a major tournament and if he does that he will go down as the most successful England manager ever yeah. he's, al he's already the most successful England manager without winning yeah. a major because there's only Sir Ralph who's won a, a, a World Cup but people yeah. argue that the squad he's got is the best squad I don't think it is I think it's a very talented squad is it as good as the squad that Benables had is it as good as the squad that Capella had I think I think they're comparable. 
Yeah. So, so to, to single Gareth out and say, well, he should win, they haven't. Yeah. And he's gone closer. Yeah. He's gone closer. Yeah. You know, um, I think right now we have the right blend. You need a little bit of luck whenever you win a major tournament, whenever you win a, a cup final, whenever you, you need a little bit of luck. So when people say the draw opened up for us, you need that little bit of luck. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you've got to get the right calls. And I think Gareth now has the experience now to make the right calls. Do you think he could do a job at a Premier League club? Different. It's different because we can't, we can't sit here and say that because he's got the cream of the crop, hasn't he, to, to, to coach. He's not even coaching them because you don't coach them. When you play for England, you turn up for you know, three or four days before a World Cup, you have a camp, before a Europe, Euros, you have a camp. It's not coaching the players. Um, so to say, would he be successful in league management? We don't know. Yeah. That, that's yeah. lar largely untested. But I'm sure that um, he will get that opportunity based on what he's done for England. And he should do, if, that's, if, he, if he actually wants to do he that. Wants it, yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to just take you down a bit of a trip down memory lane and talk about your England career. But starting off with kind of what your your earliest memories of watching, what watching England, any kind of classic games you can think of, anything that sort of brings back that nostalgia. Well, like for a, for any player who plays football, you want to play for your country. You know that's the pinnacle. If you if you get picked or selected to play for your country, um, then you've got to be one of the best players in the country at that time. Um, so obviously, um, for me, I've always watched England. Brian Robson was a hero of mine, you know, Cyril, Brendan, um, Laurie. So obviously, I've always watched uh, England, um, especially, I suppose, for me was the... Uh, uh, Chris Waddle under the Bobby Robson era. That I mean, that World Cup was unbelievable, heartbreaking for Gaza, but they they were an unbelievable team and and uh, some great players and great characters. In 1990, then were you at Wednesday with Waddle? Yes, 1990. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah. So did he talk to you about that afterwards? About missing that penalty and. And kind of all the all the pressure that came with it. No, we never really spoke about it. Chris is one of those people. Listen, if if you were going to put money on anybody to take penalties, you'd put money on Chris Waddle and Stuart Pearce. <laughs> That's a fact. So if Chris Waddle and Stuart Pearce can miss a penalty, anybody can miss a penalty. Two of the coolest customers you'll ever meet, ever meet. The pressure doesn't get to, them, you know. But when you when you when you do that walk from the centre circle. To, the, to take the penalty and, and whatever, you know, listen, it, it can happen to anybody. I mean, I know supporters think, oh, how on earth do you miss a, a, a spot kick from 12 yards? But <laughs> listen, you know, and, it, and, and just because you're a professional footballer, it does happen. And like I said, Chris Waddle and Stuart Pearce are the two um, coolest people you'll ever wish to, you know, I've never seen Chris ever nervous or Pearcey, ever, ever, Not, never in the dressing rooms or whatever. But it happens, you know, 
circumstances and and whatever. And like I said, you missed a penalty. It's not no, nobody's died. Nobody's think, died. Think he was nervous then, or do you think he just literally missed a penalty? It's, it's the occasion, isn't it? It's occasion. It's a it, big, big occasion. Uh, it's, it? a, it's it's the occasion. It's the occasion. It's the occasion. What is it about Germany though? We all we all seem <laughs> to lose I and know, penalties I to know, Germany. I what know. is that about? I know. I know, I know. Well, not always. What happened in '66? Well, well, true. And more recently, five-one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There was a bit of a pattern, certainly during your playing career, where we just consistently kept getting beat off yeah. Germany, didn't we, and losing yeah. someone penalties. What What year was it? You got your first call. Well, when Graham T Taylor took over, actually, in 1991. Yeah, yeah. So I was in. It was a Sunday. I was in the Rising Sun pub at Abbey Lane where we met. Yeah. And I was having my usual Sunday drink. Phone goes, it's Graham Taylor. So I think someone's taken the piss. So I put the phone down. The England manager ringing me in, in the Rising Sun pub on a, on a Sunday. Uh, and I'd had a few drinks. So I thought it's somebody taking the piss. So he rings back again. It's a number I don't know. So it's Graham Taylor. I put the phone down again. And the next time he phones back, he said, it's Graham Taylor here, the England manager, do not put down the phone. I thought, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, fuck's sake, it's the England manager. Yeah. So I went outside to speak to him and he, he, I said, hi, Graham, how are you doing? I said, I'm really sorry. I said, I thought it was one of the lads taking a piss, like, do you know what I mean? You soon sober up pretty quickly, like, do you know what I mean? And he just said to me, listen, we've been watching you for a while. Um, uh, and we've got injuries, you know, you've done really well. So he said, uh, you know, we've selected you for the next game, um, which was a World Cup qualifier. And uh, like, unbelievable. And he said, but I've already spoke to Trevor Francis and we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, um, you've got the FA Cup semi-final next weekend. He, he doesn't want to release you. So obviously the FA Cup semi-final for Sheffield Wednesday is the biggest game in their history for mm. how many years? It's massive. So the next day I went in to see Trevor Francis um, and he said, Colton, no, I'm not, I'm not letting you go. So I, obviously I, I went mad and I said, this is wrong. I said, this, this might be my only chance to get an England cap. Do you know what I mean? So when I went home, I spoke to my dad and my dad says, maybe you need to go around it with a different approach. So I went back the next day, I knocked his office door, I said, Trevor, can I have a word with you? I said, listen, I said, when do I miss football games? I said, look at my record, I don't miss football games. I promise you, whatever happens on the Sunday, I will play. I will play. But I said, you can't deny me the opportunity to go and get at least one England cap. He's told me, Graham Tyler told me, I will be playing. So I'm not going to sit on the bench or whatever. So this is my chance to get an England cap. And he, he went, in the end, he, he, he reluctantly said, yes, Carlton, you can, you can go and play there. And then I got injured. Uh, during the England game? During the England game. Split my toe. Didn't realise at half-time, Stuart Pearce had said to me, Carlton, what's up with your foot? Look down, blood's pissing out my foot. Split my toe, whatever. I thought, oh my God. So I've changed boots, got it padded, played the second half. Obviously, the adrenaline was going. Come back in, saw the state of it. 
Docs had to stitch it, I think six or seven stitches down the side of the yeah. toe, and the semi-finals in four days' time. So he's had to phone Trevor Francis, and I could fucking hear the noise from where they were sitting. Like, fuck me, I could hear the noise. So he's, he's phoning me, I, w I won't answer the phone. I won't answer the phone, because I know there's no way I can play on the Sunday. So I've come back Thursday morning, I've gone into the club, He's going fucking ballistic. Doc's had a look at it. No chance. Not a prayer. And I said to him, I said, well, just hold hang fire. The, same, the game's not till Sunday. It's not till Sunday. Let's just give it a bit of time. I know I'm a quick healer. Let's give it a bit of time. You said you were going to play. You told me you would play. Whatever happens, he said, you're fucking playing on Sunday. No matter what happens. Right? And he's going mad at me. And of course, I want to play. Of course, I want to yeah, play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I don't want to play. So what happened was... Um, you know, Thursday it started getting better. Friday, the doc come in, doc come in, and and, he's, and, and we sat down. We had a, a a chat about. I said, well, is there any way, you know, I can play? And the doc says, well, we'll maybe we we could freeze it. He said, it's not going to be uh, good enough for you to play. This is not going to happen in the next forty eight hours. So he said, but we could have a go at freezing it. So he said, are you happy to to do that? So I said, listen, I gave my word to Trevor. I'm a man of my word, right? If it's possible, then I'll play. So you see me when we go down on the um, uh, before the game on the Sunday. We we go there. Team sheet's not gone in there, so it's now three quarters before. The lads are in this room. I've gone in the back room. I don't like needles. I'm fucking terrified of needles. The doc wants round with a needle. I swear to you, like fucking that, because he's got to go through the sole of the foot because it's split on the side. I went, who the fuck are you going to do? It? So. He's gone, Colton, that's the only way we can do it. So all the lads on the other side, he starts putting the needle in and I'm screaming like a baby and all the lads are laughing on the other side. So I go out on the pitch. I can't stand up, just can't stand up. It took me ages to get the boots on, couldn't stand up. And the doc went, listen, the only way we can do this, we've got to freeze the foot. So he froze the foot, went back out. I was all right. Because come feel it, it's done. He said, you've got 90 minutes. This is FA Cup semi-final. FA Cup semi-final. So he's got 90 minutes against Brian Dean. Against yeah. Brian Dean. Yeah. I, I, I give the story now about, I, I wind him up all the time. I, even in the game, I used to say to him, I'm, I'm, I'm playing on one fucking leg here yeah. and you're not getting a kick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So after the game, well, 90 minutes goes, goes into fucking extra time, don't you? So if you see me on the on the on the on the on the screen, I run underneath where you go up to get the medals, the dot comes down. By that time the adrenaline is kicked in, hasn't it? And he just jabs me again and I play the full game and, and we win. But I was in agony with that. I I played for weeks with having to have injections until it until it, it settled down. What was it like playing alongside Gaza back then and well, it was quite surreal being in the dressing room with all these players. You know, you, you, you know, I was quite fortunate that was there was a few Sheffield Wednesday players. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously with Des Walker there, Chris Woods there, you know, Andy Sinton, being in the dressing room with the likes of Stuart Pearce, Gary Gary Lineker, you know, uh, Paul Gascoigne, players that you've you've looked up to and you, you're in the dressing room with them. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, Paul Ince and people like that. But I, I was lucky that the Nobby Styles, he always used to say to me, Carlton, they're only fucking players. And he used to say to me, that's still a pitch. 
and that's still the same bore. You do what you do. And I was lucky to have Nobby as a, as a mentor all the way through me, you know, a lot of my career, especially the early part of my career, yeah. I used to go to Nobby and Nobby would always be like, yeah, you get out there, it's the same pitch, right? It's the same ball, doesn't matter who it's against, right card, whoever, you get, you, you get your foot wrapped around him. Did they welcome you into the team then, all the, you know, the stars that were there? Yeah, no, I mean, me and Gazza room together, we were, we were really good friends. I mean, you've got to remember now, I played for uh, England under-21s for a long time, so I knew a lot of the guys, you know, like Razor. Me and Razor yeah. started our England careers together, room together. So a lot of the younger guys I knew. And I got on well with the Arsenal boys, you know. We, we were all drinkers, um, so I got on well with the Arsenal boys. It's the first time I kind of experienced the media exposure of, of, of that level. Yeah. Of that level, it's quite intimidating. Yeah, do you think it stopped you being overawed then that you knew a lot of the guys from beforehand? Um, I'm more thinking, what was it like waking up with Gazza in next bed? <laughs> we 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 just hit it off. I was I was always his minder. He would come and talk to me uh, about stuff. I mean, it's interesting. Like you know, uh, I mean, uh, I had a. A, a, a conversation with Pierce Morgan about this and, and Pierce Morgan at the time he was editor of the News of the World that was party to destroying Paul Gascoigne I remember being away on England duty with Paul and Paul used to put the showers on and run the taps in the sink right before he'd speak to me because he was convinced that they were tapping his phones and I always used to say to him Paul you're fucking nuts there's nobody tapping your phone then years later it found out that they were tapping his phone and, and he wasn't being paranoid. But they were the people who were responsible for turning him paranoid. They really were. So it, it was a bit hypocritical for Pierce to be paying for treatment for him later on. Yeah. You know, and we, we, I get on well with Pierce Morgan, but, you know, I did have a spat with him and he said, well, you know, we, we, we have, you know, played for treatment for Gazarafta, but the horse has bolted then, hasn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, Do you think that media attention, though, had a massive impact on him and, and, his, and his future. Oh, it, listen, he was like a pop star. He was like, like when we finished an England game, right, we'd go in the players' lounge, leave. He had to leave in the boot of Mercedes. He, 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 could, he was that big. He was that big. It was frightening. I don't know how he, well, he, he, he didn't cope. And the only time Gaza was at ease the only time he was at ease was when he was out on the football pitch. I mean, most people shit themselves when they're going out to play in front of 90,000 people at Wembley. It, it, for Gaza, this is just home. That's what yeah. he does. That's what he, when he came alive playing football. That's, he, just, he just was at home with the supporters on the football pitch doing what he, what he does. And uh, he was a phenomenal football player. Uh, we, were, we became really, really good friends. And um, you know, I'm I'm sad to see him as he is now, but he, but he's he's happy and he's okay. You know, yeah. he's happy and he's okay. Would you, given everything he's gone through, if you could have been Gaza or had your career, which one would you pick? Given everything you know, you can only get to where Gaza got to with the media by doing what he did. Right. He could. He, he only got to that position because. He, he was great. He was great. We still haven't produced today a better midfield player than him. 
He was a player of all generations. Mm. He's a different, different, different level. So he wouldn't have got to that media attention if he hadn't become that great. And so then you've got the problems with what he's had and what he's had to go through, the death of his friend, if you read his autobiography, the death of his friend that had a major uh, problem on, which made him OCD, very OCD uh, uh, about stuff. You know, and uh, you know, in the end, once you become, if you, once you become a media focus, they can either make you or destroy you. And at the time, they, they basically destroyed, destroyed Gaza, you know? Possibly England's greatest ever talent. With, without a shadow. With that, I don't even have to think about that. Without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. It's a, yeah. But it's a travesty that the media did that, really. But the media... You know, they the turned media, him into a character, But, but the media do that to everybody, don't they? The me, everybody that we have in this country that's successful, the media build them up. Look at AJ. Look, yeah. at his, look what he's done yeah. for British boxing. Yeah. Look what he's done. He's had limited amateur experience, gone on to be a two-weight world championship, and we've and all the media have done is absolutely hammered him since he's been successful. And that's what we do. Anybody that we have who is successful, you know, we build them up, we build them up, we build them up, and we get to that level, and then we look to knock them. If you look at the Americans, you look at the Australians, they, they, they look at the way they treat their stars. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, if they get any success, the Australians, they're, they're buzzing for it, aren't they? They're buzzing. They're, they're singing the names. The, 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 the media is so positive, whereas we seem to just glorify, you know, failure to a degree. Well, we, yeah. The Americans do, though, don't they? Their, their stars are like, you know, they're, they're the pinnacle of everything. You know, your, your Tom Brady's, Michael Jordan's, yeah. Kobe Bryant's and the like. Yeah, you know? and, we, and we just look to every opportunity to knock anybody who's successful. We do. We, you know, look at, look at the abuse Harry Maguire's getting. I'm not saying he's world-class, excuse me, what, but, he, but he certainly doesn't deserve the abuse that he's getting. Yeah. He certainly doesn't I do. I don't think anybody does. I don't no. think anybody no. should get the level of no. abuse that's, no. that's dished out. He's a football player. Yes, he's well-paid, but... Just because he does things wrong, or he doesn't. Yeah, play but we've touched to that. We've, we've touched on this before. The simple fact is, there's 2,775 footballers in this country with a population of 60 million. So footballers aren't the only ones who are earning top dollars. There's bankers. There's you know lawyers. There's who are earning big money, really big money, yeah, yeah. right? So you know we 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 kind of single signal out the footballers because the footballers are on our TV every weekend. But they're, they're not the only ones who are earning big money and so in, in the country, but then they get singled out and it's yeah. wrong. Yeah. You know? A banker doesn't have 30,000 people sat in his office while he's doing his work, seeing everything he's doing, do Correct. it? Yeah? Wouldn't be that interesting, would it? Well, no, like? I suppose yeah. not. Mind you, I've seen some pretty dull games in my life, so maybe it won't be so bad. Bring it back to Graham Taylor then and, and Euro 92 and, and the criticism that he got. Do you think that was over the top and unjustified. Unbelievable. When it becomes personal to anybody, that's a line that's unacceptable. Yeah, listen, you, you win a game, you lose a game, it's a game of football. When that criticism becomes personal, that's drawing it a line too far. It's affecting somebody's family, it's affecting that person. We were unlucky in that qualifying campaign. We went down to the last game Kuhlman should have been sent off. It should have been a penalty. 
and had, he, had that have happened, we'd have qualified for the World Cup and would have gone with players who had just literally started their playing careers. Alan Shearer, myself, you know, those players were on single figures when we went to the Euros in 92. A lot of those players, Dave Batty, myself, Alan Shearer, you know, all of these players were on single figures in caps. So lack of experience. Because that team, Graham took over from that great team that yeah. nearly won the World Cup in 1990. A lot of those players, the majority of those players, now had finished their careers or coming virtually to the end of their yeah. careers. You know? So... It, it, it was unfortunate for Graham. And I didn't like like some of the reporters. Oh, when he died, they're all coming out and saying this, that, and saying that. No, you went at him. You made it personal. And he's got a family and whatever. It's a line that shouldn't be crossed. Did it affect him? Yes, of course it did. Of course it did. Because he got there with the turnips, weren't Yeah, of course he did. The well, you've seen in the interviews, there. didn't you? You've seen in the interviews, in the end, how it, how it, how it got to him. And... He, and Listen, I, I'm not saying that because uh, I got capped for it by England, but he, he, he was, he's a thoroughly decent bloke. He's a decent bloke who has done well in club management yep. before going into the England job. To see a, a man destroyed like that was really sad. was really sad. And... Uh, you know, the media, the media tried to do it with me. The media tried to belittle me at every opportunity. But you see, the thing is, right, I'm a strong character. My argument was to them, go out and play well. So I'm playing, I'm shit, but I'm playing against Rijkaard. I'm playing against, you know, all of these top players. But yeah, I'm getting man of the match in those games. You know, so at the end of the day, I, I, I have great self-belief. And so the media couldn't get to me. They couldn't get to me. So even... That Euro 92, what was the atmosphere like then in, in the camp when, when you knew things were struggling? Was there still a positive vibe? Or well, it, the, the thing was, that it, and, and by, by the way, I got voted England's best player in Euro 92, right? But the, 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 and again, I got loads of criticism, but I got yeah. it voted England's best player. But the problem was, right, we were very unlucky in that campaign. We played the opening game against Denmark, who got a wild card into the tournament, and we drew nil-nil. It's always difficult in the, in, in, in the World Cup if you, if you draw your first game, because you then need to win your next game. That's, that's it. So you need to get off to that first win, because the first win, then you possibly just need a point to qualify. Yeah. right? So we drew, and then we're coming up against France. France were a good side. So you've got your Papans, Cantona, You've got your Didi Deschamps, you've got uh, Laurent Blanc, you've got uh, Basil Bowley, and we absolutely battered France. And if you remember, Stuart Pearce, it's a free kick, comes back off the post, it's the goalkeeper. You know, Sod's Law, it could go anywhere, right? And then, you, and then you're left now, you've drawn two games, and you're left with having to win against Sweden. Well, if you look at what happened, right? Arsenal, Sheffield Wednesday was the majority of the England squad. I played something like 78 games that season. I was speaking to Lee Dixon, people like that. They played the same amount of games. We were all knackered. I went out for that game against Sweden and I, I was one of the fittest players in the Premier League. I had nothing in the tank. 
absolute fuck all in the tank. And we needed to win. So we didn't qualify. Everybody was disappointed and Graham was absolutely slaughtered. So he had to qualify for the World Cup. Um, and, it, and it wasn't to be. I think it was Denmark at home. We're winning that 1-0. And the guy scores in the 93rd minute. I think it's 35-yard bullet into the top corner. Then we're 2-0 up against Holland at Wembley at home. We think Des Walker pulled Overmars out outside the box. But it's given us a penalty. Volters then breaks Gaza's cheekbone. Yep. So we're then missing Gaza. You know, because he's yeah. bro broken cheek. So it was just one of those. Then you go to Rotterdam, knowing that a draw is good enough to go to a World Cup. We have a free kick. We hit the woodwork twice. We have a free kick that gets charged down. We don't get to retake it. They Incy charges down um, the free kick, and he gets uh, Kuhlman gets to retake it when he shouldn't even be on the pitch. And he even told us afterwards. He said to all of us, he said he could not believe it. The linesman gave a penalty. The linesman gives a penalty straight away. So if the linesman goes across, he's the last man, yep. right? Yep. He's got to go. Yeah. So he's not only got to go, it's a penalty as well. That puts a different complexion on the game. Is that we, where they dinked the free kick over? Yeah, so he, did, so he dinked it over. Yeah. He, get, he hits the wall first time, he has to retake it, and then he dinks it over. You know, so it was ill-fated and yeah, it is what it is. I, I wasn't the most talented and, and, and that's all right. I I'm not bothered about that. You don't have to be the most talented. As long as you get your head down, you work hard and, and I'm living proof of that. Just get your head down, work hard. You can carve out not just a career in football, you can carve out a career in anything if you're prepared to put the hard work in. If you put the hard work in and you're talented, like the likes of Ronaldo and Beckham, you become world class. That's as simple as it is. Yeah. So for me, it's not when I was a little kid from Rowley Roy, Regis, Wally West Midlands to, you know, to, to have the career that I had, to go on and play for England um, and to do the things that I did do in football. It's a dream come true for me. What do you think seven-year-old Carlton would think if you were... I think you're nuts if you said that was <laughs> going to happen. So, do you, you know my dad? My, dad, my dad's... Uh, 89 now and he's got he's got the dementia and, and and you know he's not so good these days but do you know what he, he's, he's very he's very low on compliments is my old man he's very low he's a very hard taskmaster and when his mother died and uh, he went back to bury his mother it, my mum signed the contract he only needed one parent to sign the contract and um, you know he uh, he was fuming when he got back and uh, when, I, when I got married to Lucy, you know, he, he, it was the first time, only time. He, if you get a compliment out of my dad, you've done well. And he said, to, he said on my wedding day, if I'd have known he was going to be so successful, I would have been kinder to him. But if he hadn't have been the way that he was with me, I wouldn't have gone on to be. So it's, it, it, you, you look at parents, you know, my mum was the, the one, follow your dreams, the soft one, and my dad was the hard one. It's about complimenting each other, isn't it? So I wouldn't have played football if it wasn't for my mum, but I wouldn't have achieved what I achieved as a footballer if it wasn't for my dad. So, you know. He pushed, did he kind of push you on? No, no, no. Not pushed me on because he didn't want me to play football, but he set standards. He set standards that helped me to play the game the way that I did. So when things weren't going well, it would be, there's no excuses. 
there's no excuses. Find a way. Find a way. And, and that mentality, stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's done, it's finished, it's gone. You go again. So he's always like that, you know. You know what you've got to do. You've got to do it. And that was it. He was very black and, black and white. And that helped me. I'm a very black and white person. So that helped me, like, if I played bad or whatever, it wasn't like, well, I know I've played bad. Why did I play bad? That's no excuses. Not feeling sorry for myself. Let's get back on it. Let's find a way to, to get it right, to go again the, the following week, you know. Um, but very few compliments from my old man. If you get a compliment from him, he's doing well. So that was straight. <laughs> on my wedding day, he, he said that uh, when I married Lucy, he said, you know, if I thought he'd done... Uh, well, and he was always, do you know, my old man, what, what, what I love about him is he was never, um, never wanted anything from me, never wanted anything from me, ever at all. And if I ever did anything for him, he'd always be, you know, um, he, he, you know, bought him a car or sent him on a cruise or, you know, the things that, 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 that I did for them, he, he was always, you don't have to do that, son, you don't have to do so. But I said, I do that. I do, you know, when my dad came over from Jamaica in the late 50s, it, it, you know, he was on £175 a week. When I got in the first team at West Brom, I was on £500 a week. So, you know, for him to do the things to make it possible for me and my sisters to do what we did do, you know, you've got to look after them, haven't you? You know? Well, that seems the perfect way to end this week's episode. Thanks ever so much for watching. If you like what you've seen, make sure to like, subscribe, and leave us your comments below. We'll be back uh, next week with the next episode. Cheers, guys.